Hey church, welcome to my home office here, my home. Uh, as you've already heard, we had another uh, bend in the road this weekend here at Jacob's Well. Uh, we uh, had a gas leak at church, so when we arrived, uh, there was a strong gas smell in uh, part of the building, and as we looked into it, we just recognized as volunteers were coming and we were prepping for the weekend that we just weren't comfortable having people in the building, and so we called the fire department in Excel, and sure enough, uh, they found a gas leak, and they are figuring out. They figured it all out, and everything will be fine. Um, but we, out of extreme caution, always want to make sure that our experience at Jacobs Well is safe, is comfortable, and so uh, we stopped services in person this weekend. Of course, our ability to do live stream and all of our recording is also dependent on being in the building, so we're not able to bring you what we ordinarily do. So I wanted to take just a few minutes to just uh, do a little bit of the teaching that we had planned this last weekend and this weekend, uh, because uh, it's just such an incredible passage of Scripture. And it actually is a little ironic that this happened, because it's kind of a really powerful illustration about the point that I think uh, the scripture makes this weekend that we want to bring forward. So we're in a part of the book of Acts where there's kind of a turning of the corner. Uh, we've seen the incredible message of the inclusion of the others. This has been the, the major message of Acts, that the gospel is going to go to Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria, to the ends of the earth, and that um, God's desire is that people from all tongues and all nations are included in his family. And that has been so established in the first and second part of the book of Acts with the Council of Jerusalem and Peter's vision and the conversion of the Apostle Paul. Well, this week we're starting to see a turning of the corner where the last part of the book of Acts is going to be focused on the trials, the imprisonment, uh, and the end of the life of the Apostle Paul and all the things that happen around them. It's an incredibly intriguing part of the, the book of Acts. Now, the cool thing is, is that um, we are going to actually take a break from Acts. We're going to pick this up after Easter because next week, don't forget, we're going to be starting Renewal, which is going to be, I think, one of the high watermarks of the church uh, year, but even more than that, I think it's going to be one of the most exciting things, important things we've ever done as we are approaching our 20th year as a church. And this March, we're going to be celebrating that. So renewal is going to be a major part of what um, we have. I was wondering, do I have a renewal book here? I don't think I do. But um, you can go online and... Uh, no, I have one in my bag. I don't know where my bag is. So everything's a little out of control this weekend, but that's all right. So so this passage of Scripture we're looking at is the beginning of the Apostle Paul moving towards Jerusalem. He is returning to Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, ultimately, he's actually going to be arrested, and it's going to begin years of the Apostle Paul working through uh, the trial system of that time and different imprisonments that ultimately will lead to him arriving at Rome. And in Rome, he'll actually... Uh, lose his life. He'll be martyred, uh, tradition uh, of the church tells us. And if you look at the first part of Acts uh, 21, verses 10 through 14, it starts with a prophet coming and telling Paul that this is going to happen. And the Apostle Paul knows this is going to happen. It's supposed to happen. It's part of God's plan. And he's willing to go through it. Now, he's willing to go through it for one reason, because of the gospel. Because for the Apostle Paul, everything was about sharing the gospel with people who did not yet know the gospel. And that explains so much of Paul's actions and his understanding and his, his passion. Now, in verse 17 of, of chapter 21, if you've got a Bible, you can actually open up. 
we read an unusual little story about what happens when Paul arrives in Jerusalem. Let me just read it. It says, when, when we had come, now notice it says when we had come. So remember, Luke is the author of the book of Acts, and this is part of the book where he starts saying we. So this is a part where Luke is an eyewitness person to the testimony of the second part of, of the book of Acts. And, and that's profound because whenever you see a person who goes through profound suffering, profound difficulty, pays an incredible price for the gospel and for Christ, to see it firsthand, it is a stunning, stunning thing. And so Luke gets to see this. So he says, when we came to Jerusalem, the brothers received us gladly. So the original apostles, the foundation of the church in Jerusalem received them gladly. On the following day, Paul went in with us to James, who is the leader of the church, and the elders were present. After greeting them, he related one by one the things that God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. And so Paul does what Paul does. He, he comes and says, God is moving among the Gentiles. All these churches have started on all these missionary journeys. It's just a really cool thing that God has done. Now in verse 20 we read, and when they had heard it, they glorified God and they said to him, you see brothers, how many thousands there are among the Jews of those who have believed. They are all very zealous for the law. And so the people in Jerusalem says, hey Paul, God's been working here too. Thousands and thousands of people in, in Jerusalem, Jewish people, have come to accept Jesus. And he said, now one thing you need to understand about that, Paul, is that they are very zealous for the law. And so these are people who grew up with the Old Testament and the law of God, and they are passionate about it. They love it. Now they've come to love Jesus, but the church in Jerusalem hadn't figured out the whole thing of, okay, what's it mean? What does the law fit in? And so Paul is walking into an environment where he has people who are very passionate. Okay, uh, We live in a day where there's a lot of people who are very passionate about a lot of things, of strong opinions, who act like they have things all figured out, but they haven't really got things figured out. And so, so Paul is walking into a charge situation where there's a lots of controversy. And a lot of the people who are going to be zealous for the law are not going to be excited about the idea that the Gentiles are coming to faith. Because there's still going to be a huge group that's going to want to say the Gentiles must be Jewish before they can become Christian. They've got to get circumcised. They've got to eat kosher. They've got to follow the rules. And they're doing this because they're zealous for the law. They believe they're following God and they're doing the right thing. And this is a problem. Uh, if you do a, a historical study of this time, you're going to see that James and the elders of the church, man, they have quite a task holding this all together with all the different factions, not to mention the pressure that Rome is putting on uh, uh, the city of Jerusalem. And if we were to go forward in history a couple decades, we would see that this ultimately is going to lead with the complete destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD when Rome comes in and just wipes it out and the church and all the factions and the zealots, it just reaches a, a fevered pitch. And, and James is trying to pastor in the middle of this. And so he's saying to the Apostle Paul, we could use some help here settling things down. Now look what happens, because this is very interesting, very, very interesting. Look what it says. It says, um, verse 21, he said, now these ones sell us for the law. They had been told about you, verse 21, that you teach the Jews who are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, telling them not to circumcise their children and walk away from our customs. Now, this, this is 
This is an exaggeration, a misrepresentation of Paul's position. He said, no, what they've heard is that you're attacking Moses, you're attacking our culture, you're attacking our customs. And, and what Paul has been teaching is that in Christ, we're free from the requirements of the law, and the Gentiles don't have to take up the law, but he still loves the law. He still respects the law. He sees the law as the foundation of, of revelation that revealed who Jesus was. And so Paul loves the law. He still lives by many parts of the law. And so this is what, what, what they say, verse 22. When then, um, um, what then is to be done? Said So we got this problem. Paul says, you're coming back and people know you're here. It's a very charged. People's emotions are high. People are invested in certainty. How are we going to handle this, Paul? Um, look, 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 look what it says. They will certainly hear that you have come. So is this thing going to blow up? This is a controversy. It's part theology. It's part religious. People are getting all conf confused. People are getting angry. And it's just a big mess. Now, happily, we don't have any situations like that anymore today, right? Yeah, actually, this could not be, again, more relevant for what we've experienced. So look at verse 23. He says, do therefore what we tell you. So this is James and the elders saying to the Apostle Paul, we have four men who are under a vow. Take these men and purify yourself along with them and pay their expenses so that they may shave their heads. Now, what a weird uh, verse of scripture. Let me explain to you what's going on. So what's going on is that there are four men who felt compelled by God to take what was probably an Old Testament Nazarene vow. Now, this is a vow that would have lasted two to three months and would have involved fasting, it involved, you know, um, um, removing themselves and separating themselves, a time of intense prayer and meditation and seeking God. It was a time of consecration and devotion. Now, this is taught in the Old Testament. This is something that was part of the practice. And even today, many people go through seasons of uh, consecration where they might do some extended fasting. They might, they might, um, you know, put something out of their life and, and do something to focus their life. It, it's something as simple as some of you have taken the challenge to read the Bible over the year, and you're doing that as a spiritual practice, spiritual discipline. Well, this was a pretty intense one. And what they did is they came to the Apostle Paul, and they said, here's what we want you to do. We want to illustrate to people that you're not anti-law, you're not anti-Jewish, that, that you still believe the, the beauty of the Old Testament. And so we're going to ask you to join them in their last stage of this vow. And we're actually going to ask you to pay their expenses and what they would what it would cost and the, the donation they would give and all that kind of stuff um, as a sign that you endorse it. Now, this is really crucial. What's interesting is not what the Apostle Paul did, but what he didn't do. What he didn't do is say, Listen, James and elders, what are you thinking? I have discovered that I'm free. I'm not under the law. I don't have the obligation to the law. My rights are clear. And I'm, gonna, I'm going to insist on my rights, that I, I should not have to prove myself. I should not have to do this. This isn't fair. Not only will I not do this, I am offended that you would ask me to pay for this thing that, that I don't even think is necessary anymore. And, and he could have gotten all, you know, he could have referred to the book of Galatians, but he hasn't written the book of Galatians probably at this point yet. But, but the point is, is that, that, that he, he could have easily said, me, my, my rights. But you know what the Apostle Paul did? He compromised. Now, now I recognize for many people, that's a dirty word. 
That's a word that you hear compromise, you feel weakness, you feel worldly, you say that's just not a good word. But but the, the principle of compromise not only is taught throughout the Bible, is not only a pillar stone, pillar of wisdom in a person's life who who is trying to make things better for everyone, um, but it's absolutely crucial in any kind of relationship, any kind of society. It, it's crucial in your marriage. If you don't know how to compromise in your marriage, you're going to struggle. It's crucial in raising your kids. Your kids are going to want to and probably need to do some things that maybe you don't want them to do or you're not comfortable doing or you wish they would wait a few years before they're doing it. But you need to, to, to compromise. At the heart of compromise is this core principle, humility. That, that I need to understand that what's important to me is not all that matters. What's important to you is what matters. It, it's humility that says, maybe I don't have all the answers. Maybe you have some of the answers. Maybe it's okay that if we don't do things my way, we could do things your way. Maybe if even I know that I, I'm right and I think that I'm right, because this is important to you, I'm going to do it. I'm going to give in because at the end of the day, there are bigger things that matter. Our relationships, and in Paul's case, we're going to see the gospel. So look what the Apostle Paul actually does. He says, the, they go on to say, uh, we're in the second part of verse 24, Thus all will know that there is nothing in what they have been told about you, but that you yourself also live in observance of the law. He said that you respect the law, that you understand the law. He says people's argument will just go away. When they see you honoring uh, what's important to other people, it will diffuse the problem. And and we need a lot more of this in our culture right now. So look what it says in verse 25. But as for the Gentiles who have believed, we have sent a letter with our judgment that they should abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols and from blood and from what has been strangled and from sexual morality. So what they do is they remind Paul about the letter that they sent back in the Council of Jerusalem. If you go back and listen to that sermon a couple weeks ago, you're going to see that the Apostle Paul said, hey, the Gentiles don't have to live under the law, and the leadership in Jerusalem said that's correct, and we gave a compromise then. We said, we're not going to put all these rules on top of you. We're just going to ask you to avoid idolatry, avoid sexual immorality, and hey, when you're with Jews, don't eat food that's going to make it impossible for them to sit and have fellowship with you. Don't, don't eat food that's been strangled or still has blood in it, because even though you Gentiles eat it, Jews don't eat it. And if we're all going to have fellowships together, let's do the thing, listen now, let's do the thing we all can do. Let's do the thing we can all do together. See, this is a spirit of compromise. This is a, a, a spirit of, hey, what's important to you is important to me too. And I don't have to stand on my rights. I don't have to insist. Now, church, I want you to hear me very close because... This may be the most important thing I say all morning. In the last year, many of us in the Church of Jesus Christ have insisted on our rights on very small things. We have been very concerned about our way and our comfort and our liberties in such a way that we have been harsh and aggressive and we have trashed our witness to the world. We have made it difficult for many people who would see Christ to come to church and thus to come to, to God. We have made brothers and sisters in Christ who disagree with us feel alienated and isolated. And we have done it for things that were temporary, things that we are really not sure about, things that are worthy of compromise. So just take the illustration of wearing masks. Even if you don't believe in wearing masks, you don't need it's necessary, 
It's important to other people. It's important to other Christians. It's important to other believers. It's a witness to the world that we see this is important to you. So we are willing to set aside some of our rights. We're not going to take this big stand. This is not the big issue that we think, boy, this is the thing that's most important. Instead, we are going to come back and we are going to say, because it's important to you, it's important to me, we're going to compromise. And we're going to do it in humility. We're going to do it with the understanding that I may be wrong, you may be right. And because it's important to you, it's important to me. So many of the things that we as a church are called to do is out of understanding about what's important to other people. This is so woven into all the themes of, of the book of Acts. It goes all the way back to the Council of Jerusalem, and it goes all the way to Paul speaking in Athens at Mars Hill. It, it goes all to the message from last week, that if we can take a step back, we can learn compromise. You know, this is an important lesson for our kids to learn. They need to see a husband and wife in a mutual, submissive relationship where they submit to one another, which is what the Bible actually teaches, uh, a picture of saying, we're going to give what's important to the other to preserve the relationship. And now the Apostle Paul then does this. And so what we read in this is that, that the Apostle Paul doesn't get upset. He doesn't insist. He doesn't have a big theological argument. He doesn't, you know, say, I would never compromise in that way. Instead, he does what they ask. Because there was nothing that was being asked that was going to go against his convictions. And even though he didn't feel like he had to do it, he did it for the gospel's sake. Now, to get a glimpse of his understanding, I want us to read another passage of scripture from 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19. Now, Corinthians, the church in Corinthians were the church full of conflict, full of division, and full of people who were insisting on their rights. We get to worship this way, and we get to have these gifts, and, and we should be in charge, and we shouldn't have to do this. And, and people were hung up on me and I and my way. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says about how he approaches these temporary small things that are not related to the eternal things. Listen to what he says about the gospel. He says, though I am free from all, so he has freedom. He knows he's freedom. And when you know you're really free in Christ... You don't have to stand on it. You don't have to die at every hill. You don't have to be divisive. He says, though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more. He says, even though I have this freedom, there are things I do to submit, to put myself under, to serve others that they might be one for Christ, that my brothers and sisters' hearts might be more completely embraced by Christ, that they would know love before anything else, that people who are not followers of Christ would see my example and they would be drawn to Christ. He goes on in verse 20 of 1 Corinthians. He says, to the Jews, I become as a Jew. That's exactly what he's doing in Jerusalem in order to win the Jews. He said, this was a divisive thing for the Jews, and what do I want them to see? I want them to see Jesus. And I want them to see the gospel. And if I would have stood on my rights, the whole thing would have blown up. It would have just been terrible. Now it goes on to say, to those under the law, I become as one under the law. He says, these are people living under the law. So when I'm with them, I'm like one under the law. He says, though not being myself under the law, even though I didn't have to do it and I could have taken a big stand and made a big fuss, I didn't. He, he says, why do I do this? That I might win those under the law. 
He goes on in verse 21, he says, To those outside the law, I became like one outside the law, not outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ. He said, now those ones who are Gentiles who don't follow the law, he says, I, I, I eat with them, I hang out with them. And because, not that I'm not under the law of Moses, he said, but I'm not under the law of Christ, the law of love, he says in another place, that I might win those um, outside the law. And so what he says is, he says, I'm just going to look around and I'm going to look what people need. I'm going to look where they're at on their journey. And I'm going to say, how can I come alongside them? And I'm not going to ask them to conform to me. I'm not going to ask them to change what makes me comfortable. Um, I'm not going to ask them to agree with my position all the time. I'm going to submit myself to other people. The Bible tells us to submit to one another and it fulfills the law and the love of Christ. Verse 22, he says this, to the weak I become weak. And many times there are people who are weakened by their certainty and their fear and they're embracing crazy things and they're believing crazy things. And, 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 and we just need to be very patient and kind and, and sensitive to them. He says, I, to the weak I become weak that I might be weak, uh, that I might win the weak. I have become, listen, this is, the, this is the, the summation point. He says, I have become all things to all people that by all means I might win some. So what's the most important thing the Apostle Paul? Well, the gospel and showing people Jesus. And he says, I, I am a person who becomes all things to all people that, that people might be, be one to Christ. Now, Paul's not compromising the truth. He's not compromising the gospel. He's just saying, I'm willing to change the way I'm doing things. I, I'm willing to, to, to change the things that I insist others do. And I'm willing to do some things that people say I should do, even if I know I don't need to do them because I'm free not to do them. This is the attitude of the person who understands that people matter to God, that there are more important things than being right and rules and protocols and meeting to do. People are more important to that. And, and you know who this reminds me of? Just to say what I hope is obvious. It looks like the one who came from heaven, who being in very nature God, made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant. This is Jesus, right? This is what Paul says in Philippians about Jesus. Jesus is his model. Made himself nothing, nothing became the, a servant, and, and, and he, he humbled himself. He wasn't humbled. Jesus was never humbled by other people. He was never humbled by shame. He humbled himself, taking on the very nature of the servant. He humbled himself, and, and he became obedient. Okay, He followed rules. The one who made all the rules became obedient to his father and became obedient to death. Why did he do that? So I could have eternal life. So you could have eternal life. There were things that were bigger. And friends, we are dying on hills we should not. We are spouting off positions. We, we, are, we are arguing with certainty things. We, we are not certain. We are, we, are, we are making temporary things the most important when the eternal is being forgotten. And, and many times when we do this, when we do an inflammatory post or make a crazy statement or attack family members, and then we bring God into it, and we make this a point of faith, we are trashing our witness. We are driving people away from eternal life. And so this is a call for us to take a step back and say, hey, it's time for us to just humble ourselves and pray and, and maybe speak less. You know, the Bible says, you know, it gives them two ears, one mouth. It says be slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to become angry. And we've been quick to speak and not listening to each other at all. Maybe we submit to what's important to another person and recognize, you know, things like wearing a mask, it's not really that big of a deal. It's really not. And, and people, oh, you don't have my rights. If that's where you're at, I, I just I bless you and I pray for you and, and I hope, hope 
maybe something can reach out and soften your heart on this. But at the end of the day, what this is a call for is this is a call for each one of us to examine ourselves and, uh, and, and to let, let humility begin to guide us. The principles we see in the Apostle Paul uh, in 1 Corinthians uh, 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 chapter 9 and in Acts 21 are worth uh, copying, are worth learning from because he learned them right from Jesus. And before I go, I want to give you one more big shout out. Um, um, coming up next week, we're starting renewal. You're going to be able to, to um, pick up books at the church. We'll have books for you at um, church next weekend. You can download a PB, uh, PDF at jacobswellchurch.church. But renewal is just going to be powerful, and you really are going to want to take part in it. This is an opportunity for you to get yourself recentered after a year of being distracted and scattered and just all over the place. Renewal is a time to really just come home to some of the beautiful fundamental things of the faith, and I just can't wait to see all that God's getting ready to do. Don't forget that um, we're going to begin renewal next Sunday morning, and we're also going to have worship night next Sunday night. So um, you can participate. And if you want to get your book early, uh, you can go ahead and stop by the church office, and um, we'll have books for you as well. That's particularly true for small group leaders who are getting their groups going. Church, what a year. Um, and more than ever, the spirit of, of humility, the spirit of love, the spirit of compromise that we see in Jesus, in the Apostle Paul, needs to be things that create wisdom in our life as we walk through this kind of a season. Um, I love you. Thanks for coming to my house and spending this morning with me and this afternoon, I guess, at this point coming up. Uh, and uh, we love you. Let me just close in a word of prayer. Father, we love you. We need you. We thank you for the truth of the Word of God, just continually blown away with its relevance time and time again. Help us to see, Father God, that there are battles that aren't worth fighting. There are stands that really don't need to be taken. That there are times when what is important is what's important to someone else. Give us wisdom and discernment following your Spirit to know when we are supposed to um, engage and when we're supposed to just listen. Father God, teach us to be people who value each other enough to listen to each other, to care what's important to others, and to compromise in appropriate ways in all aspects of our lives, at work, at church, at, 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 at family, and parenting, and marriage, with friendships. Free us from our pride. Free us from our certainty. Bring us back to a life of faith. And we just ask you to do all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, church.